0: The uh, final point of Caleb's sermon this morning segues really well into uh, talking about sanctification. But before I talk about that, I'm going to say that uh, take your Bibles and go to Colossians chapter 3, and you're definitely going to want, whether whether it's the, the scrollable phone Bible or or a paper one, but you're definitely going to want one so you can look at this, because I'm going to kind of walk through Colossians 3, but kind of fast. So. You'll want to have it in front of you. Um, But what is sanctification, first of all? We've been talking about justification. We've talked about adoption. Um, Plainly put, sanctification is another part of, of salvation for the Christian. It's the part in which God sets us apart for himself and also by his Holy Spirit works in us to not only change how we live, but even change who we are from the old sinful flesh into a new creation. And as, as Caleb said, it's, it's a grace. The law, the things that God tells us to do, how we ought to live, those are all graces from God. God. And it comes to us through Jesus Christ because he, living that perfect life, being that holy person, achieved for us and has given us of all his righteousness. And so we are righteous before him. That's justification. But he also gives us his spirit, which is sanctification. The work of sanctification, which is as we become more and more like him. As it says in... uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And in Romans 8, verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Or Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And even something as short as John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Something I think that is really, really important to find here, and that I find very helpful, even in that last statement, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus isn't in this place giving us this warning, if you don't keep my commandments, I'm not going to love you anymore. No, it's it's a promise. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's a There's a... A reasoning for us to keep his commandments there. There is, in in showing forth that we do in fact love him, but there's also that promise of God, which God is saying, because we know the love of God comes to us when we were yet sinners. We know, first John says, We love because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. And so as he has poured his love into us, and that love returns from us, love to him, what that looks like, practically, is keeping his commandments. The uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism, when an Answering the question what is sanctification it says sanctification is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness and we have to get all of that in the right order or it's not sanctification it is the work of God's free grace. It's not our putting forth enough effort to drum up some sort of doing enough, playing the part. No, first off, first of all, it is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man. That's, that's regeneration, that's salvation, where God comes into us, these dead sinners, and makes us alive. That's not something a dead man can't raise himself. But just as Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth, and he was made alive again, he says to us dead sinners, be made alive by his Spirit. And so instead of having this dead flesh that seeks after sin, we have this new life in the Spirit that seeks after God. And we are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. And that's a crucial part, too, because it is not a once-for-all sort of action like justification is. Justification is where God says, I am declaring you righteous for the sake of Jesus Christ's righteousness alone. It is done. It's It's a declaration. But sanctification is where we are actually... Um, to use scriptural language, washed by the water of the Word, by His Spirit, and are made more and more like, like Christ. Um, and and it doesn't mean that all sin is removed from our lives immediately when we're saved. It doesn't mean that all inclination to sin is removed. It doesn't mean that all temptation is removed. Although, 1 Corinthians uh, 10 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So there is, even there, um, this promise that the sanctifying work of God is such that we can endure the temptations that come to us when we by the Spirit put to death these deeds of the body, these temptations to sin. So let's look at Colossians chapter three, um, just as a kind of a, a, a text foreseeing how to go about um, in our ways, in our lives the work of sanctification. Because although it is fully a work of God's grace, that doesn't mean that it happens outside of us making use of the means that God has given. You know, like Caleb said, God is the one who gives the heartbeat. But that doesn't mean that we aren't doing things. I mean, we would be completely dead if God didn't give us a heartbeat, but that's still means we do things. Uh, and the same with sanctification. It is all a work of God's grace, and we participate in it through means. So let's look at, at Colossians chapter 3, and we'll just walk through that. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, 17 verses there. And I believe if we walk through it, we can see where Paul is giving us, he's cluing us into... Not just some rote rhetorical way of saying, This is what you got to do, do it this way. He's actually giving us the means by which we can put to death the old man of sin, of the flesh, the old Adam, and live into the new man, the new life that we have been given, the new life in Christ. And the first thing, the first and most important thing is to notice that Paul starts us, you know, Paul starts the Colossian church, this, I mean, I preached on this a few, maybe a month ago, or a little over now, so just a recap of that, but he's talking to these Colossians who are basically very new Christians, needing to know what's just the basics, and there's all these fashionable schemes of divinity, these fashionable ways of, of this is how you become holy, this is how you do it, and Don't eat this, don't drink that, you know, suffer this, suffer that, you know, subdue yourself. But Paul doesn't start there. He doesn't go there at all. He says, well, first off, get your mind on the reality that you are not the same sinner you were before you came to Christ. Your identity has changed. You are in Christ. That is your identity now. You need to meditate upon that. Set your mind. Fix your mind. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is. So you need to rest in and and meditate and think through and act upon your new identity in Christ. That's where everything of this sanctification comes out of. And then, put to death, therefore, because of your identity in Christ, we put to death, I you know, used to call it mortifying, actually meaning to kill. Now when we say we're mortified, it's because, you know, we're embarrassed. But mortify, in the old ways we're saying kill sin, mortify, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Wrath, anger, malice, slander. Do not lie. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. I think what he's saying in this whole list here is it's every area. If you seek to get rid of everything but the one pet sin that you have, you're not seeking sanctification. You're seeking some moral improvement. But seeking sanctification is seeking to be holy as the Lord is holy. And so Paul addresses all the spheres of life, not just one area. He talks about sexual immorality, he talks about anger, he talks about slander, he talks about covetousness. And then what else he's doing here is. He's actually saying what they are. He's not saying impure thoughts. He's not saying, you know, wandering eyes. He's not saying, you know, my thought life could be better. He's not saying, well, I just get bored with the Bible. He's calling a spade a spade. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Sexual immorality. You know, oh, these two had an affair. No, they didn't. They committed adultery. You know, something like that. There's, there's calling it what it is. Call sin, sin. And then, also, once again, see that you are not the person who is beholden and enslaved to sin anymore. You have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. And he also says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So don't, in your, in your warfare against sin, in your life of sanctification, to be holy as the Lord is holy, recognize what sin really is. It is not a brokenness in us. It is not a slight mix-up. It is not a little mistake It is willful rebellion against the Creator. And the wrath of God is being stored up because of it. And the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus because of it. Charles Spurgeon has a saying, was something like, how can you love sin when sin nailed your dear beloved to the tree? We have to get it in the right perspective and understand the actual severity of sin, or as a Puritan has put it, the sinfulness, the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And then, we put it to death. (laughs) There isn't a magic formula other than do it, put it to death. Recognize your identity in Christ. That is the foundation of sanctification. Really show sin for what sin is in your life and for the severity of what it is in your life and attack all of the areas of your life. Not just one area. Sin in every area needs to be mortified. And show to yourself, to your soul, the consequences of sin. I think that's what Paul is telling the Colossians here. So that's the mortifying part. But then he goes on, put on then as God's, Chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. You see, he's kind of using the same formula. He's saying, get your identity straight. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I always think of the, the temptation of Jesus when, when the devil takes him uh, and to see the kingdoms of the earth. He says, you can have all of this if you just bow down and worship me. And I think, how foolish. I mean, he, he's the king. Jesus Christ is the one to whom God says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage. He doesn't, he doesn't need to bow down to Satan in order to get the nations, all he has to do is ask his Father, and the nations are his. And I think that's, that's how we fight temptation, and that's how we become more like him, by recognizing what are the privileges that we have in him. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I mean, when you're prone to covet something that your neighbor has, Remember, you shall inherit the earth. What's this little trinket? And then he goes on to say, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I think he's keying off of that out of, right out of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our, our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us the acknowledgement that God has so forgiven us gives us the freedom to forgive. And then he says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To, again, to which indeed you were called. You were called into the peace of Christ. And then, and this is hugely important, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I mean, that's corporate worship. That's corporate fellowship, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We cannot forsake the gathering together of the body of Christ, the local church, because that's integral, that's, that's necessary, a necessary part of sanctification, becoming holy as God is holy so that we might dwell in his holy presence. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This whole passage Christ is just woven through completely, and our union with Christ is woven through completely as the foundation, the goal, the means of sanctification. We are renewed by God, by His Holy Spirit, when we behold His glory when we live out of that new life that he has given us, not as a means to earn something from him, but because living things live. What's the first thing a baby does? He cries, he breathes. That's natural. That's what it is. What is the first thing a Christian does? He prays. And it's got to be that integral and that natural for us because God is making us like himself so that when we see him, we will be able to truly love him as he is. So again, from the shorter catechism, sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Righteousness.